You are listening to Concrete Conversations, an informative podcast brought to you by the Concrete Masonry Association of Australia. We represent the concrete masonry and segmental paving manufacturers in Australia. Our podcast will discuss technical information and case studies with some special guests from our industry. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of the Concrete Masonry Association of Australia. On today's Concrete Conversations, we are getting fired up, but not in a way that should alarm anyone. We're talking about fireproofing and fire resistance levels, and I would like to welcome Nicholas Bannigan here, who's one of our civil engineers as part of our CMAA team, to help walk us through this most important fact sheet. Welcome, Nicholas. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me on. All right. Nicholas, you and I both know that concrete masonry is non-combustible, but what are some of the other reasons that it is widely specified for firewalls and buildings? Well, in addition to being non-combustible, Elizabeth, it also provides durable fire resistance and is economical to construct. Okay. And so if we're talking bushfires now, Let's look at what the contributing factors are because it's not always what we think. And I know that this has been around in the news and particularly in Australia most recently. But let's look at the contributing factors of the nature of a bushfire. Yep. So I'd say firstly, the most important contributing factor to bushfires is the fuel load, its type and distribution. So what we're talking about here is, you know, we've got a bush area and that's extremely dry. Is that what you're sort of meaning? Yeah, and over the time, you know, especially if there's no backburning occurring, that kind of fuel load can build up. And, you know, if a single spark hits that fuel load, it can just cause these devastating fires. So as well as that, the moisture content. So in our drier months, when your fuel load's at its driest, as well as that, we've got wind velocity, its direction, heavy winds, that's going to really fuel the fire, get it, you know, going directions out of control. So it's very important as well. And when we talk about topography, what do we mean there? So obviously the heat rises from the bushfire. Fire at the bottom of a hill, heading towards a house at the top of a hill, that's going to uh, spread very quickly. And also would be extremely frightening if you were on the Absolutely. top. Yes. All right, let's now look at the different modes of attack of bushfires. What are the most familiar ones that we can start with? Yep, so before the bushfire even reaches your property, you're going to start seeing burning brands and sparks. A building can be showered with these sparks and burning fragments. And, you know, just a few of these sparks can light any debris you might have in your gutters or just like around your property. So well before the bushfire front arrives, that's definitely a concern or a hazard. Particularly those embers. When we talk about radiation, what do we mean by that? So radiation is essentially just kind of the heat from the fire. Right. So a huge hot fire, you know, you might have emit radiation levels of 150 kilowatts per metre squared. And then... We get to, obviously, the direct flame coming into the building. Yep. So with the direct flames, if, you know, your house isn't properly sealed, especially around like garage doors, people tend to kind of miss out on sealing that correctly. So, you know, direct flame can enter your house through these passages. The other thing, Nicholas, is that you've obviously got the wind speed of the environment, but some of these large fires generate their own wind speed within themselves and they exceed sometimes 150 kilometres an hour. But moving right along, when we consider fireproofing masonry walls, we hear the term FRL being used. What is that short for? 
So the term FRL is short for fire resistance level and it just comes straight from the NCC. And what are the three components and which section of AS3700 do they refer to? Yep, so section six of AS3700 covers the uh, FRLs and the three components of your FRL design considerations are structural adequacy, which is the resistance of your masonry wall or your concrete masonry wall to collapsing, the integrity of your masonry wall, which is its resistance to cracking, and finally the insulation, which is resistance to the passage of heat through your wall. These are such important components and we know with other building materials sometimes they're very good on one or two of those aspects but nothing's as good as masonry when it comes to all three of those components. Now when we're looking at other factors when we're trying to determine our FRL level what are they? So you'll also need to know the bushfire attack level of your property. Factors like your building's region, vegetation type surrounding the property, distance of the site from the surrounding vegetation and the effective slope of your property all play a part in determining this bow level. All right, just determining the bushfire attack level, we're going to go through that next, but where do we go to find that information? So AS3959 is your standard for all things regarding the bushfire attack level, covers construction of buildings in bushfire prone areas. So, Nicholas, I'm looking at a BAL rating table in front of me now, and it starts obviously at low, which there's no specific construction requirements. But when we get to BAL 40, what do we need to think about then? Yep, so at BAL 40, that's a very hazardous bushfire attack level. So you're going to need to require uh, your windows to be protected with bushfire shutters, and roofs must have all joints sealed to ensure the integrity of your property during a bushfire. So essentially at this higher level, there are stricter requirements than if you're at a, say, a bowel 12.5, which is far less hazardous. And then what happens if you're at a bowel FZ? So bowel FZ is the highest rating. Um, it's direct exposure to flames. And essentially it's the same as the bowel 40, but with just slightly stricter requirements. So every single part of your house must be sealed. Even weep holes, you know, you'd want to cover them with a steel mesh. Okay, and... What we talked about before and when I introduced this topic, I did say that because of its non-combustible nature, masonry has been given a full concession in AS3959 for all bowel ratings. What does that mean? So essentially when you're constructing your house in one of these bowel regions, if you're going to use a material like timber or glass, you know, you need to be concerned about how you're going to pass these bowel ratings. But if you're using concrete masonry, no worries. The NCC defines it as a non-combustible material, so it makes it far easier to design and build your houses in these bushfire regions. You're going to comply straight away just by using masonry. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's just take a quick walk through some of the fireproofing methods that we just want to touch on as a bit of a reminder. They won't come as a surprise to anyone, but perhaps take us through the first three, Nicholas. Yep, so... Priority number one, access to your house. You're going to want to allow those emergency service vehicles to get to your house in the case of a bushfire. And then what about water? I mean, I know there's a lot of water around some of these properties, but what do we need it to also have to help fight fires? Yep, so your house will need a water supply, like a tank, a pool or a dam, and also a pump will help the firefighters protect your house in an emergency. So, Nicholas, what are we thinking about? You can have a garden, obviously, but what are some of the things we need to think about with regards to the vegetation choices that we make? 
So with your vegetation, you need to consider the distance between sort of your maintained garden and the distance from that to the sort of natural vegetation surrounding your property. And in the show notes, we can provide a picture that outlines the specific distance and requirements for that. Excellent. And then we've got here as well using trees as windbreaks, but maybe you can just take us through fireproof meshing and gutter guards. Yep. So fireproof meshing can help prevent embers from reaching any flammable materials such as wooden doors that could pose a fire risk, as well as this gutter guards are really valuable. They can help prevent leaves and other foliage collecting in your gutter, which will prevent your gutters from becoming a potential fire hazard as that leaf litter builds up. And look, one aspect of a house that normally is a potential weak spot is the garage doors. What can we do around the garage doors to help make them a little bit more suitable? Yep. So in the case of you know, severe bushfires, uh, in the past, these garage doors have been a real weak spot. People haven't sealed them properly. So in the new NCC 2022, it outlines the requirements for sealing your garage doors. So essentially, fireproof seal around your garage door will help minimise the risk of bushfire damage in your property. Nicholas, you've done so well today. Let me just see whether I've got everything recapped properly. I think the first thing is bushfires in Australia are unfortunately an area of our environment that is just continuing to get worse. But the good thing about when you're building in these bushfire areas is that concrete masonry is widely specified because it is non-combustible. And specifically what that means in relation to AS3959 is there is a concession for all BAL ratings. So as long as you construct your external walls with full masonry or masonry veneer, then you automatically comply with the standard and therefore the National Construction Code. We're fired up about masonry, so you don't need to be fired up. The other three areas I wanted to revise was the fire resistance level. And you talked about three components which are detailed in AS3700. And they refer to the structural adequacy of the material, so that's its resistance to collapse, the integrity of the wall, so that means it may not collapse, but you also don't want it cracking. And again, masonry performs very well in its resistance to cracking. And thirdly is the insulation, the resistance to the passage of heat, and again, Masonry performs exceptionally well in not allowing heat to transfer and therefore reducing the ability for the fire to spread. We then talked around some fireproofing methods from access to vegetation choices to windbreaks to seals around, especially garage doors. Now, Nicholas, I always like to do something else whilst I'm listening to podcasts. So where could we get some more graphics or information on this subject? Yep, so here at CMAA, we work to provide resources that can educate homeowners, engineers, architects, and we have over 100 technical documents on our websites. These can provide you with lots of information, Uh, in particular, our new FRL fact sheet, which was just released. This will outline the method in which you can achieve your desired FRL. And just another reminder that if anyone is having problems trying to figure out their FRL for a building, our team is on standby as long as you use masonry to help you out with that particular request. Nicholas, thank you so much for such a great job and we will have all those links in the show notes. Thank you very much. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for ideas of what to talk about. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, 
There's a link in our show notes to let us know. 